right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lepko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lepko and Chris Sims. (laughs) First of all, Chris thinks he doesn't like doing the podcast, but secretly you love doing the podcast. Sure, keep telling yourself. You that. didn't. He's been whining all day. He doesn't want to do the podcast. And then as soon as he heard Ellis, the voice track, go, Chris Sims, you were mouthing it. I, like, I, I, I have fun. It brings me a lot of giggles. Yeah, I, I'm very torn with this whole podcast <laughs> thing. I don't know if I really like doing it. I want to go home now. Do you really? The end of the day, yes. This is our way of, of escaping into a world of fun and joy, and you don't like it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm waiting for that fun and joy part. Uh, I am Adam Lefko. You are? Christopher Sims. And you are? Producer Josh. Yes, or no, Josh Fendrick. Well, no, you said no last time. Yeah, it's Producer Josh. <laughs> yeah, Producer Josh is funny. PJ. PJ, um, yeah. Steven Nelson, unfortunately, not here today. Uh, has the day off. We're getting ready for some crazy college basketball coverage here at Bleacher Report. Well, we're actually going <laughs> to... You thought that was funny? I do. <laughs> I think because you're a little bitter, you got to work a long weekend. Oh, man, I am not excited. I'll be sitting on the couch watching. I'll keep you up to date, tell you what's going on. I'm just going to be crushing smart food, popcorn, and drinking beer. Oh, man. Just I'm going to be fatter. crushing lots of stuff, lots of calories. You're going to be hearing me getting fatter. It's going to be awful. Uh, we're going to have some college basketball stuff on the podcast today. Joy- Jordan Schultz, Huffington Post. Uh, he also does stuff here. And uh, we're going to ask him. He's he's a famous person, kind of. He is. I just found out today, but we'll wait till he comes on. Jordan Schultz, to me, is one of the nicest people I've ever met, and that's why I appreciate him. So much scuff, stuff scuff going in the NFL right now. Uh, I want to get some topics that I know that you're different from most people on. Uh, everyone right now talking about Chris Borland. He's retiring. Oh, man, he's a hero. He's checking it down. I definitely think as a 24-year-old that had a pretty successful first year in the NFL, it is interesting in terms of the waves he He's making in terms of people discussing mental health and the impact on the game. I think you're a little taken aback, though, it's getting this much notoriety. Yeah, I am shocked that it's getting the national attention that it is. I mean, yeah, third round, middle of the tier linebacker Chris Borland's on you know every news station in the country right now. I want to say something really quick. This is something that has upset you for a long time right. that, um, look, there is a divide I'm just going to say it. They won't let us talk about it on our videos, so I'm going to say it right now. Say it. Oh, man, let's check out Pro Football Focus where we break down the grades of all these players, and Chris Borland was one of the best linebackers in the NFL because they had a plus grade. To be honest, you think those grades are stupid. A lot of them are, yes, and I have the video evidence to back it up. You actually watch the film. You look at all this stuff. Chris Borland, you believe, was a good player. Solid middle linebacker. But to, put, to call him a top five linebacker in the NFL in your mind is? Absolutely crazy. I think the issue is that. He's the oh, third linebacker on his team. Let yeah, alone the top five in the in yeah the NFL he's behind Navarro before Patrick Willis and look retired. we are not discrediting the fact that he has the confidence in himself to stand up and step out of the game and say you know what this is not worth a mental health risk your issue is when you hear people talking about wow this is one of the best linebackers yeah. in the game you don't find that accurate no I don't find that accurate at all and I, listen I give him a lot of credit for pulling the trigger year one he doesn't feel comfortable with his future in the NFL all more power to him and that is a big breaking news story but yes people are over hyping. <laughs> Uh, his talent. Good job, producer Josh. Yeah, producer Josh uh, is breaking doors. But uh, the the thing I think that drives me crazy, first of all, um, you know, oh, he's a middle. He had 118 tackles last year. Okay, middle linebackers always lead their team in tackles. Right. Uh, and then to get to your pro football focus thing, this is I'm not trying to take a shot at them, but the big thing I'll with pro football focus that drives me crazy is some people in the office go. Oh, I mean, pro football focus gave Chris Bowen that amazing grade for the St. Louis right. Rams game. And I turned, you know, he had like 18 tackles 17 or whatever. Tackles, whatever. Yes. So I turned the game on. And, you know, I watch every game every week. And I'm sitting there watching, you know, solid play. Okay, good play. But the big thing is, yeah, he had, he had 17 tackles. I would say 10 of them were 10 yards down the field where Patrick Willis would have made the play at one or two yard gains. Right. But we're, oh, he got a tackle. He's an amazing middle linebacker. Uh, so very overrated in his play. Altogether, to comp- to say he's one of the best linebackers in football is crazy. Yes, and also to even put him in the same breath as Patrick Willis is 
eight-year Hall of Fame middle linebacker, wow. which is unbelievable in itself. I mean, sure. I don't know if he'll definitely get in, but he's going to be in the conversation. He's going to be nominated many times. Hey, again, Chris Borland, you know, good luck with everything. Definitely I think, good luck. I think we support you for being an individual that can stand up and yes. not feel obligated to do something. And if you feel that way for your health, that's great. But in terms of comparing him to all these people, it was a little absurd. Yeah, and, and it's crazy, too, that you hear that he was uh, – I mean, this was on his mind before the season. I just read a little article saying it was on his on his mind. Be- so this family was not shocked. Wow. All but- right. Look, we got a special, special guest right now. The man, the myth, the legend. A burst of excitement. A bubble of energy. A smile that lights up the room. The one and only Jordan Schultz. How you doing, Schultzy? Oh, yeah. A real special guest is right. Oh, uh, very special. Uh uh, yes, you're special. You've become more special just in the last few hours in my eyes. All right, so let me let me say something. Jordan, you have been here in the last the last few weeks. You've been here for a few months now, breaking down college basketball. Before we get into some other stuff, I want to ask you right now, because everyone's filling out their brackets, Jordan has Kentucky losing to Wichita State. Jordan, can you tell explain this to people? Because I love no. that you have the balls, the cojones to make this pick. Break can you down. sit down? Why did you have to stand up to say Jordan that? Jordan gets me excited. <laughs> I appreciate it, Adam. Um, and Chris, that means a lot. No, I, I think when you look at Wichita, for me, combination of things, seniors, I love seniors, and they have a lot of them. And then I think point guard play, backcourt back play in general. Eventually, everybody knows about Ron Baker is just as important because he makes shots. And there's not a lot of guys in college basketball that – there's not a lot of coaches in college basketball that have these type of guards, especially upperclassmen, a junior and senior. And Greg Marshall, the reigning national coach of the year, his teams never turn the ball over. So you combine experience, seniors, um, defense, a, a defensive unit that's very good, and then the fact that, hey, this is a backcourt – uh, and an offense that really runs good stuff. That, to me, is the winning formula to be Kentucky. Right. I, well, that's why I hear a lot of team people think that Notre Dame might be Kentucky if they right. have to run mm-hmm. into for those same kind of reasons. Yeah, they could do it. Let me ask you this, Jordan, just while we're on it. Wichita State, as good as last year? You know, I'm just kind of catch it, getting into the whole college yeah. basketball thing. As good as last year, a little less, what are they? Well, they're not as talented, and that that's why I think this probably surprises people because they lost Anthony early right. first-round pick to the Knicks, Chris. But – um, I think the experience factor is huge. And I think also, you know, those guys, juniors and seniors, they everybody's gotten a little bit more mature. And it starts with Len Vliet, who's the all-time leader in Wichita assist and one of the best players in the history of the Missouri Valley. And then it starts with Ron Baker, who's really taken a step forward and become not just a marginal NBA prospect, but a potential, you know, first or early second-round guy, just a junior. So, I think that combination and then another year in the system is really important. I know that Jordan loves some upsets, too. Of course, when you listen to this, the bracket could already happen. But I know that you love Montana as an upset. Or, no, excuse me, Wyoming. I only think Montana's in it. Wyoming is an upset. You you love Stephen F. Austin. Um, Who are some other upsets that you really like? Yeah, I like those two. I like Wofford, too. I mean, Wofford plays in one of the slowest tempos in the country, and you know, I think a lot of people look at that matchup with Arkansas, and it's easy to just pick Arkansas SEC. But Arkansas's whole philosophy is to turn people over. Wofford is really good at playing slow to their own pace and not turning it over. They have a really good backcourt, and they have a guy in Carl Cochran who could easily become a Mark Starling. He, he leads the Terriers in every single major statistical category. Um, I like NC State to actually win at least two games. Ooh. Uh, I know they're not as low of a seed in eight, but NC State is a team – that potentially, because of their guards, and this is once again the same theme, guards and, and teams that can make threes, uh, they're going to bother some people. Cat Bob. Uh, I want to know, Schultz, who, who you got in the Final Four? Who's your Final Four? So I like Wichita, uh, obviously. I like Virginia, and this is assuming Justin Anderson is healthy. Uh, and then I also look at Duke and Arizona, and I think the fact that Duke, you know, is – Maybe only eight deep. They only have eight scholarships. That probably scares some people off. But I think they have three of the top 15 players in the country, and that's why I'm picking Duke to win it all. Okay, so Duke, and you got to play in who in the final? Uh, I like Duke over Arizona in a rematch of the 2001 final. Okay. Um, and, and, and Arizona, you don't want teams that can beat Kentucky. If we're playing hypothetically and saying, you know, hey, Wichita is not going to do what Kentucky does. Kentucky ends up getting the final four. Arizona is another team. Because of how they're built, they're probably the most similar style to Kentucky size and athleticism. Right. 
I'm dying. Okay, so Schultz, so now I got, yeah, Lefko's coughing up a lung over here. (laughs) I want to talk to you anyways. So, uh, of course, you know, my father being Phil Sims, that's how a lot of my conversations start throughout the day is about my dad. I just found out. I literally had no idea this. I was hearing you talk in the office earlier about some subjects <laughs> that usually pertain to uh, a good amount of money. And I wondered, man, what the hell does Jordan Schultz do on the side? Because he must be making some cash. Yeah, he, and thought, people, he thought you were like a bookie or something. And then people told me that your dad is Howard <laughs> Schultz and the founder yeah. of Starbucks. And I, yeah. I, he's still the CEO, correct me? If I'm wrong? Yes, yeah, he still is, yeah. Man, so that's unbelievable. Uh, Dude, literally Chris had no idea, and he was like, are you kidding me? It was awesome. I really loved it. Yeah, that really is uh, truly unbelievable, just uh, that whole story growing up in that. I mean, uh, I don't know. I just like like a quick, quick synopsis of basically your dad starting it, how it flourished so fast, and then what point did you guys be like, holy cow, we're about to be really freaking rich? Well, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, for one, you know, I, I definitely don't talk about it a lot, uh, so I'm, I'm glad. That, you know, that's good. I mean, you were nice to me because I like you. Know, you. You, you, didn't, you, you didn't. Yeah, I mean, Adam. Adam is nice to me only because he wants free coffee. No, yeah, no. He did say he'd give me a reserve, but no, because uh, before yeah, you get into I'll, it, really I'll, quick, I'll get him a reserve. Jordan, really quick, you're an awesome dude. Like, I, I love the way you carry yourself, and and you're awesome. And I can imagine, like Chris was saying, this probably gets asked of you a lot. Yeah, uh, that's, that's probably true. But, you know, I mean, a guy's only as good as his company. And, uh, you know, you got a hell of a deal here in the left coast Sims combo. Uh, but, no, in all seriousness, uh, he, uh, yeah, you know, he's a Brooklyn guy and um, ended up going to Northern Michigan, Chris, to play football as a, as a quarterback Wow, uh, like yourself. And that was really the only reason he was able to get out of the projects in Brooklyn. He got a scholarship to go play there and then ended up becoming – Really close with uh, with Steve Mariucci and Izzo, who were right. the starting quarterback and starting point guard there. That's wow. awesome. Um, and then uh, graduated, I think, in '75, and then uh, came uh, back to New York and worked at a couple companies, and then ultimately took a trip to Italy for for a, a different job, and was in Milan and and really saw the romance of coffee, and that's what really started him right. uh, with coffee, despite not having really that background. Right. Wow, that's unbelievable. So then he just he gets a few investors together. They decide they yeah. want to go down the coffee the coffee route. Well, and how many years yeah, was it till it became you know big time right. as far as what we know? Yeah, I think I mean yeah, that's pretty much. Long story short, he ended up um, he started there as a barista, and then one of the things they wow. wanted to do was. Uh, they wanted to keep it really small. I think they had three or four stores in Seattle, right? You know, maybe Portland, Vancouver. That was about where they were going to go. And he he saw a lot more room for growth, so he ended up going and starting a, a different one. And then about a year and a half, two years later, they came back, the original uh, founders, and right. said, um, you know, we're, we're, we think we're ready to sell it. And so he got some investors together. Uh, and then, you know, years later, fast forward the IPO, and then I think. I would answer that question. I think ninety four, ninety five, probably the mid nineties. Right. A little after the IPO, where uh, they were starting to really become a national phenomenon, and then obviously, uh, you know, growing internationally, not just in North America, probably really took it to another level. Man, it's unbelievable. It's amazing to me how many successful people have come from the slums of New York, per se, just for lack of a better phrase. The oh, yeah. Brooklyn's, the Queens, yeah. whatever it else. And now they're billionaires or whatever else. And you're like, man, they just grew up right over the river here. Do you think it's the competitive nature of this area? I do. I do think it's a lot to do with it. I mean, you guys can certainly weigh in. But, yeah, we're so populated with so many different cultures and people that are motivated, wanting to strive, make their lives better for them and their family. I I do think, yes, I think people are fearless as far as pushing boundaries with certain things. And they do have great work ethic as Well, well. Yeah, Jordan, I mean, so are you a West Coast guy or did you grow up with, like, East Coast morals? Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Adam. Uh, no, I grew up in Seattle. Uh, grew up in Seattle the whole way, and then uh, started two years of school in Seattle, in Seattle, Seattle University, because I was playing basketball, and I really wanted to pursue it. Um, and then after my sophomore year, then I transferred to, to go to school in L.A., and then ended up, uh, my girlfriend at the time, and now wife, we moved here uh, in 09 when I graduated. 
That's awesome. So I know that you obviously – he's the co- sports columnist for the Huffington Post, right. which is an awesome gig. Right. Um, the top as an only. Uh, the only. He's the only dude, man. You he's are the death. man. Pop is a relative word. All right, so your your dad with Izzo <laughs> and Mariucci. How big was sports growing up for you? Like, what was what was your big team? What was what was the love that was passed down to you? I, for him, his original sport was baseball. But mm. as it really, as I got a little older, uh, I would say basketball and football became more and more prevalent. Even though his favorite sport, probably to watch, is football, and the fact that he played it. Uh, but basketball. Like, I think I was best at baseball, but I ended up playing basketball in college because probably most passionate about it. And then that, that really became what we uh, what we really worked on the most. I mean, you think about Seattle basketball. You talk about, you know, really good high school players. I had two AU players on my team, two two NBA lottery picks. Who? Uh, and then uh, Brandon Roy was on my squad. Wow. And Martel Webster. Wow. Um, what yeah, was Brandon then, Roy like back in the day? Oh, he was the best. And he was the best because he was not a big recruit until very late. Wow. Um, and, you know, he wasn't one of those guys that was, like, going all those All-American games. You know, he was, like, a top 100 guy, top 150. So, Brandon was Brandon was as special as it gets. I don't think any people forget he was third-team All-NBA two years in a row. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he has two degenerative knees. Yeah, just, it's horrible. He just could not do it anymore. Yeah, it's hard to overcome that. All right, I want to go back. Both those, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was say both those guys were in my program, um, played games with them, and then they ended up leaving to go better AU teams, and I was stuck with the same <laughs> one. <laughs> hey, I want to get back to the NCAA tournament just a little bit, a bit about that. Nothing. No, so Wisconsin, who do you got Wisconsin losing to? Because they're not in your Final Four. I, I had them losing to Arizona in the Elite Eight in a rematch of last year's Elite Eight, Chris. I think Wisconsin, it's really hard for me to pick against them. What they've done so impressively this year is Bo Ryan has essentially gone away from the swing offense because he has so many good players and, and they don't really need to run it as much, but they're still based. That offense is still based and predicated off of movement, screening motion, and then great passing and shooting. So, and everybody knows Frank Kaminsky. I think right. Wisconsin is another one of those teams that could, that could beat anybody because of how they shoot it. They do not beat themselves. And then Sam Decker is really a, a lottery pick. I think certainly mm. a first rounder. Um, and he kind of gives Frank Kaminsky that Batman and Robin. So I like Wisconsin a lot. I think their lack of athleticism at some point hurts them. Uh, and Arizona could could really bother them. They beat Arizona last year in the lead eight. I think Arizona gets them this year. What, what, and what about Villanova? Villanova is one of he the most under the radar. He loves the most under the radar number one seed I've ever seen. So that's why I wanted yeah. to ask about him. I mean, 32-2, and two, Jay Wright's done a great job. Uh, you know, we've talked about it, though, and I'm glad you brought that up because, I I mean, they're just 2-5 and five since going to the Final Four. And one of the biggest question marks for Villanova is, to me, who, who's their real go-to? It's probably a guy named Darren Hilliard who's a very good left-handed guard, but they don't have anybody averaging anywhere close to 18, 17 points. Right. So that can be two ways. I mean, that can be one thing, which is good. You don't know who's going to beat you. Right. The other way is who's really our go-to. Yeah, down you the stretch. That with, yes, and you combine that with a lack of size. And this is, honestly, if there's one concern with Wichita, a lack of size. Same thing with Stephen F. Austin. But they don't have a lot of size, Villanova. They're 174th in rebounding, and that has to be a – a real concern for Jay Wright. Jordan, if Kentucky wins this tournament, they finish the season 40-0, and let's say they smash teams on their way to the title, are they the greatest college basketball team of all time? Well, I think they would be. And I don't know if – I mean, like, you can't quantify fellas by saying how many pros are they going to have or how many of these guys are going to be all-stars. Uh, you go back to the 76 team, Bobby Knight, ultimately and there weren't a lot of great pros on that team, including Steve Alford. So – um, but if Kentucky does it with nine McDonald's All-Americans, it's already a record. Uh, in the modern era especially, uh, I don't think it's as relevant the fact that it's, they play in the SEC. It's not a great league. It's, it, I mean, they beat Kansas by 100 this year. Yeah, their non-conference done, schedule was tough. Yes, it was really good, really tough. And uh, I don't think they're going to do it, but if they do, oh. I'll be the first person to admit I was wrong, and it I was an it. incredible accomplishment because to go 40-0, especially with the turnover in that program and all uh. the freshmen and sophomores. They only have one junior getting real minutes uh, in Willie Cauley's sign because Alex Poitras, the other one, tore his ACL. So there's a lot of young guys on that team. 
As you could tell, Jordan Schultz knows his way around college basketball. I get the pleasure of working with the dude for like the next two, three weeks. We're going to be yelling in videos and screaming. The energy is uncontrollable. Schultzy, you're the man. Deuce, signing out, bro. Schultzy, we'll talk soon. We didn't even get into animal talk. I wanted to get animal talk, but we'll get in that over a cup of coffee on you next time. <laughs> Definitely on me, and if you're like Lefko, you'll put a ton of cream in it. Uh, I, I won't do that. All right, Schultz, good talking to you, brother. See you, man. Thanks, fellas. All right. Be good. No, he's the man. He could, yeah, he couldn't be a nicer human being. He really couldn't be. I love that you did not know about his death. Totally clueless. Like What's I, really funny is, so I told him, um, because we were walking out today, and I said, what's funny is you're, you kind of remind me of Sims a little bit. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, when Sims was coming in, everybody was worried that he was going to be kind of, you know, an asshole. Oh. That you were going to come in here and like, right. and you were going to be like kind of stuck up and all that stuff. And then you kind of blew us all away being a n- normal dude. Right. And then Schultz, everyone was kind of like, hey, you know, don't mention coffee. <laughs> and I was like, what? And then like, uh, and everyone kept coming up to me because we actually auditioned him for something. Right. And they were like, hey, like, don't. And I'm like, what do you think I'm going to do? Just yeah. be like, hey, look at our Starbucks machine. It's, it's on dark roast or blonde roast. They both suck. Uh-huh. I go to Dunkin' Donuts. And then he ends up being, like, a super good guy that cares so much. And it, the thing I love about him is hard work ethic. Right. And, Josh, you work with him. Great dude. And I, I think – Couldn't be more fun to work couldn't with. Couldn't be He's more awesome. fun to yeah, work I with. Yeah, I can totally see it. Um, so, yeah, check out BleachReport.com. We'll have a ton of, of college basketball stuff. It is so funny to watch America all of a sudden care so much about college basketball and fill out brackets. Do you always fill out a bracket? I do. I love doing it. I love the, the fact that – my whole family will do this. You know, really? even my wife, who's coolest about sports. I think <laughs> last year, gosh, who did she had like a 14 seed winning it all? Uh, like one of the directional schools was winning. Robert it all. Morris sounds like a fun. <laughs> place. It was something like that. It really was. Actually, last year, I'll be totally honest with you. I think I lost to my wife. What? Yes, I did. I had a bad bracket last year. I did not do well. I only had like one out of the final four teams. Year before, one of the best brackets in my life. Last year was horrible. I did. I lost to my wife. I think I lost to my sister. Have too. you ever won a bracket? I have, yes. And what do you remember what year and which team? Gosh, I don't. Uh, I feel like that's always it's a defining moment when you win a bracket and yeah. you really relate to that team. And you can talk about the teams, the upsets that you picked correctly. Exactly. That I won you to the it. one two years ago because I was in New England. And so you I got had Louisville winning it all. I did. It was, and I had three out of the four Final Four teams. Now it was a small pool of guys, yes. but yes, I won. When you were Louisville. allowed to do brackets in New England, Bill didn't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. What do you think Bill would say? Bill put the kibosh on it, it very early. It's against what do you the mean? CBA. Uh, he gave it. E- Bill yes. is Bill Belichick. Yes, Bill put an email out. I mean, I would say it would probably have been like a day like today. It was like a few days before the tournament started. But he would have his assistant, Berge Nanjerian, who does all the dirty work for Bill and a lot of other stuff. Sure. He sends an email out, hey, reminding everybody, Coach Belichick wants everybody to be aware that it's against gambling and the CBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No pools, none of that. No money exchanging hands. For- so who was the ringleader amongst the crew? Oh, <laughs> I, I can't even I can't even give them up. I would be scared to. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't you though. No, it was not me. I was a f- beginner who was just like, yeah, let's do it behind his back. <laughs> <laughs> I won uh, the Louisville one the same year because right. I was covering them, and I was like, this team's winning all. I right. Know it. And then the year before I went to Syracuse, I picked Carmelo. Wow. And that was I'm not even gonna lie, like eighty five. The year they beat Texas in the semifinal. Eighty five percent of the reason why I went to Syracuse is because I won the bracket. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like that thoroughly went into me. Going that to that was one of the ones I was actually emotionally invested in that year because oh. Texas was good. I was friends with T.J. Ford. Oh, he was, was so good. Team. Yeah, so I was really rooting for he Texas. Had a lot hard of injuries in his career. He too. did, yeah. Spine, spine problems. Do you have something to say? No, no, I got nothing. Oh, you're just, uh, he's just looking cool with the mic in his yeah, hand. Yeah, like I like holding the microphone because it makes me feel, I don't know. Yeah, I got yeah. you. No, but we should do a bracket. I, I'm, I don't know, man. I just The thing that I hate about the bracket is the thing I hate about fantasy football. In fantasy football, it's like, hey, you want to see who I drafted? No, I really don't care I could who care you drafted. Less. Yeah. Hey, you want to see my bracket? No, I really don't yeah, care. Yeah, I don't care either. And, and what was my favorite thing is, so last week I went and I did this thing with all these CBS guys, and it was Jim Nance and Vern Lundquist and Greg Gumbel and all that stuff. And I have to ask all of them, all right, I'm sure everyone comes up to you in the airport and asks you for bracket advice. And the older guys, 
their eyes rolled in the back of their heads and like, you have no idea. <laughs> Seth Davis is like, people come up to me in the bathroom and right. ask me stuff. Vern Lundquist, I go, what's your advice to people? Let's just do it on camera so you don't have to do it. He goes, get a life. <laughs> Vern Lundquist, you know what I mean? I just don't understand where people think that other people in their lives are interested in looking at their brackets. Like, where does, that, where does that come from? No, I mean, yes. Uh, and if I did ask you about your brackets, I just want to know, give me your final four. Yeah, That's yeah. all I care about. I so. will say, I do love going on ESPN.com after the first weekend and going to like where they show their top brackets yes. and seeing the people that actually like pick the first weekend yeah, correctly. Right, yeah, right. because there are some upsets that right. like seeing the people that had the nuts to pick the 14s over the threes and all I that. also think that the re- like right now I have told a few people in the office they're like hey have you done a bracket yet and I said I don't think I'm going to do one and they look at you and it's almost like when the Powerball hits 400 million and they're like wait what if you had the perfect bracket? And it's like, wait, what if you had the Powerball numbers? And the odds are probably very similar. Right. But it's like this notion that people get down their bracket and they're like, I picked the perfect one. It's so ridiculous. But it's fun nonetheless. It is a lot of fun. It is. And it's, I, I do. I feel like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not invested in college basketball. I really, this last weekend's the first time I watched any college basketball this whole year. Yes. And now I'm going to act like I'm an expert for four weeks. It really is funny. I love when, like, Francesca, Sessa, and, like, local radio show hosts that have not watched college basketball all year are, like, giving advice. Yeah, right. they got to fill hours of college basketball <laughs> talk. It's so ridiculous. Um, are you going to talk about anything with the draft? Anything? Did you want to talk about anything? Football? NFL drift? Yeah, yeah. that's where I'm getting to right okay, now. Good. It's called Transitions. So one thing I want to say is the story that I'm in love with right now, Jameis Winston not going to the draft. Oh, I love that too. I love it. Now, Jason Cole reported earlier that, what did he say? I actually was not around for the Cole shoot today. What are you guys doing Well, apparently Jason Cole said that the NFL was the one that apparently might be asking Jameis not to come to the draft. You want to listen to his report on the podcast right now? Wow. From what? I heard, because I had to tape the questions, Jason Cole was saying that the NFL didn't want anyone, like, boycotting or something like that, which is ridiculous if that's the case. I mean, they'll boycott Vic and his dog issues, they'll boycott, but to boycott Jameis Winston is very interesting to me. If it, let's say it's not that. Let's say it's Jameis Winston wanting to be around his friends and family. I love it because the NFL, this is their time to market you. Yeah, right. That's the only reason they care that you're there. Right. And you can't call it selfish because he's at home with his family. Well, that's probably why the NFL you're, – you're, I'm Don't guessing he's right there. The NFL put a little bit of pressure on Jameis Winston to not be there. Interesting. In other words, that, after like, having that meme with Rod. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. That was Jason Cole. That's the NFL. They don't really care about Jameis Winston nor the players. They just – you're exactly right. They don't want to have the protesters there against women's rights, and they don't want to have to start that conversation up. That's all it's about. Wow. But having said all that – So who's going to hug? But having said all that, I do think it's cool. If I was the first pick of the draft, I think I would have stayed home as well. Just be with my family, the ones I really care about. I don't really care about hugging Roger uh, or anything else. There's no benefit to going. I think, yeah, it's a lot of BS. If you hang around and you don't get drafted, the NFL and the media entities of ESPN and NFL Network are going to prey on you, sitting there, looking uncomfortable, analyzing your every move, Geno Smith completely damaging your character, because you know what? As a human being, if I thought I was going in the first round and I didn't and I sat there for six hours... I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, right. And I'm going to walk out there upset. And I, as a human being, should be allowed to do that. Sure. People shouldn't question my character or my maturity. Oh, but you should be happy. You're making millions now. You're in the NFL. But yet they want you to really be emotionally invested, too. Yes. So you can't win. Well, no, and, and that's why Jameis not being there, if it is the NFL pushing him away, that's a very interesting strategical PR move that it's – if the NFL is already distancing itself from Jameis Winston – that's crazy. That's the NFL. That's the part. I'm an NFL lifer, but that's the crap I hate. Really? Yeah, that bullshit. Do you know what's bullshit? Tim Tebow. <laughs> that is bullshit. Oh, God. That Philadelphia Eagles story. The, look, I'm just going to give people some insight. When that thing came down, people around here at Bleach Report were like, Tebow, 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 Tebow. And none of them talks like that. None of them are country. But they're yelling, Tebow, I'm seeing ESPN. It's Tebow mania. I look at Twitter, and it's Tebow everywhere. And the fact that everyone knows... That this guy can't play, and yet we still want to talk about him this much. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. And you know, is it insulting to people that are actually playing football? Yes, it is. It's insulting to quarterbacks all over the NFL. Uh, it's it's very interesting. My only hope that as a culture we stop clicking and we stop caring because he is an SEC analyst now. 
He is a college football analyst. That is his job. And I think the biggest thing that you've always said about Tim Tebow is to act like he doesn't like the attention or that he's doing this for any other reason than his own personal gain is crazy. Yes. You, what you always said about him taking interviews as a rookie. Yeah, I have an issue with it. I, I do think Tim Tebow talks a little bit out of both sides of his mouth. Uh, I'm not afraid to say it. Is he a nice kid in a lot of ways? Of course sure he is. He handles kid. himself professionally most times. And he's worked extremely hard. I know that. But I did hate that whole thing, too. Like, he was the only quarterback in football that was working uh, when he well, was Well, that's playing. what happens with the mini docs. So that RG3 drives me crazy. had a mini docs. But yes, I have issues with the fact his rookie year, he wasn't even playing in Denver. He made himself available to the media after practice every day. That's like a locker room no-no. It's the quickest way to get the team to hate you. And I knew a lot of players on that team, and they didn't like him because of it. And then the next year, they come out with the let's bench Kyle Orton, make Tim Tebow the starter billboard. And my thought is, as a man, I am not a religious by any means, but as a man... I know I would have said if I was in Tim Tebow's shoes, hey, guys, Kyle, hey, I, I appreciate the support out there in Denver. Kyle Orton's our starting quarterback. Whoever put that billboard up, I would really appreciate it if you took it down. We're a team. I'm here to be the backup support, Kyle. That's what a real man would have said, yeah. especially a real religious man. I think that's what they should have said. So, yes, those are my issues with Tim Tebow. Yeah. All right. I'm done with that. Okay. Um. You have a guy. I don't know why I started singing. Um, I asked you last week, let's start coming up with guys in the draft that maybe not everyone knows. What The reason I want you to talk about this guy, okay. Stefan Anthony yeah. from Clemson. The right. reason I want to bring it up is when you make your mind up against someone, because I watch you go through all the tape, Stefan Anthony is a middle linebacker out of Clemson. At yeah. first, you did not like this guy. I, I did not. And, and now he's grown on you. He has grown on me. That's why you got to watch more than one game tape to really get the pure essence or the, the portrait of a player. So my first game I watched with Stefan Anthony was South Carolina last year, the last game of the year. Uh, did not play well. Didn't make any tackles. Really caused no disruption. I said, man, he's big and he's fast, but, man, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, then I watched three other games since then, and yes, uh, his talent has proven to be its, uh, to show itself. There's no doubt about it. Uh, first of all, he's physical, not as physical as I think he should be for somebody that's six two, two forty five, and built right. like a you know a brick truck or a brick house, whatever you say. Mack uh, truck, Mack truck, brick, tr- thank, brick house. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes, and then the athleticism, of course, and I think the versatility, which we talk about so much. He can play four three middle linebacker. I think he's a Ideally perfect for a 3-4 defense because of the size. He'll be gotcha. able to take on those guards that get up on him quick. So a team and like he can Sa- stay in on, on the field all three downs because of the athleticism. Big. So for a team like San Francisco right now, yes, he could be a good fit. You, I would think it's, it's a very weak linebacker draft, but your top two inside linebackers are Eric Kendricks, right. brother of Michael Kendricks, right. and Stefan Anthony. And Stefan Anthony. And then probably the, the, uh, the McKinney kid. or uh, Bernard Bernard Bernardrick McKinney from McKinney. Mississippi State. Yes, he would be my third guy. Mississippi State. And I think Kendricks is not a guy that could go to the 49ers, but the other two, they're desperate enough for that middle linebacker position. They might go second round McKinney or or, uh, our man from Clemson because they need a 3-4 middle linebacker. I have a statement for the people of America that care about the NFL draft. The NFL draft is the only thing in sports in which there are a lot of people that are quote-unquote experts that have either a not played the game or b do not have a true scouting background even look mel kuyper was is like the godfather of the draft right. and he doesn't have either of those right. things i don't believe so right i think they have incredible work ethic and a great way to break it down but the scary thing about the draft and i'm, I'm noticing this now i've always been someone that loves the draft is there are scouting reports sometimes that do not make sense right i am not one to call out people but i'd like to address this really quick yeah sure if this is one thing that I think people need to realize as they get ready for the draft, and as a fan of a team, you're like, ooh, my team needs this. Be very careful when you really read all these scouting reports. DJ Humphreys, tackle for Florida, on the NFL.com page. Can you please read what it says? Oh, yep, let you, see. Where the hell is my your computer's oh, right, right in front of you. <laughs> it's right in front of you. He was just looking at his computer. I don't understand how he couldn't find it. I don't it. know how like, that just happened. So on NFL.com, they yeah. have breakdowns. They have profile pages of every single player. Right. And you were looking at DJ Humphreys. DJ Humphreys is a guy that some people have as a very high tackle prospect. Others, in their top five, athletic guy that they think could translate to the next level. Right. And what does it say under his page? So uh, here it is. So 
sources tell us what made me really take notice was the way he handled Shane Ray when they played, who's one of the top-tier pass rushers from Missouri. If you can block that guy, you can play in the league. And that's what it says there, giving you the notion that he handled Shane Ray. Then you come up to me today with plays in which he allows three sacks on Shane Ray. Yes. Maybe more. The three sacks, another four quarterback pressures. So, I, uh, first of all, I read this, and I was like, what? I just watched that game like a few days ago. I was like, am I on crack? Cause I, 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 so, I wanted to turn it back on because I, wrote, I write notes on the game, whatever it else. But my specific notes were – Game against Shane Ray would be reason he doesn't go in first round. That's uh, I mean, Shane Ray had his way with DJ Humphreys. Humphreys got talent, no doubt about yeah, Humphreys it. Humphreys is a good player. Not ready to be a premier left tackle right away. Needs a little bit more meat, uh, a little more strength in his gotcha. game. That's the big issue. That was just a thing. I find it so fascinating that in a world of look, everyone wants it black or white. Is he a, is he a first rounder or is he not? I don't care. Right. And but. The, the these these ideas these scouting reports I don't know who comes up with them I don't know it just doesn't make sense to me sometimes it does not me either doesn't me either you just said um, I, I want to get on one topic and I hope we don't get in trouble Stephen A Smith okay oh boy I've been wanting to talk about this with you because it really upsets you yeah I think Stephen A Smith is one of the most talented broadcasters in the business agreed. His ability to use words and pronunciation and delivery is special to me. Right. It, it has always been. I have always found him to be someone that is captivating, that even if you don't agree with him, the way he delivers it can be magical at times. What he said about Chip Kelly being racist really upset you. It does. It bothers me a lot because uh, I just think that's when the – this whole media business just becomes a bunch of bull crap. And it's comments like that that get some people to say, well, I can't listen to anything on TV because it's just crap coming out of people's mouths. And I look at Chip Kelly, first of all. First of all, racists don't get in the sport of NFL football. It's over 80% black. So, sorry, I don't care what team you're on. You're going to have a lot of black people. So it just that's just such a careless, reckless comment. And then, oh, yeah, he went to Oregon where he's got, like, a bunch of black guys, Spanish guys, a Samo- Samoans. He's got every culture on earth uh, that he recruited there. He recruited there to this team. But yet you throw it out there because why? He got a, rid of a – what did he say? His full quote? His, the he got brothers. rid of Macklin. He got rid of LaShawn McCoy. And he's got brothers in the street coming up to him going – uh? Yeah, so, I mean, he can claim that's not racist or whatever else, but that's what he was implying, and, uh, yeah, I do not like it. I think, first of all, that that's the worst show on TV. Now, let me say this Nobody to you. Watched you that. are not someone that consumes Twitter. You are not someone that consumes social media. One of the most popular notions out there is that that program is one of the worst shows on TV. It's almost like a Twitter Ten Commandment. Hate on first take is one of, like, the top things. And I will say this. For a show that is trying to appeal to mass America, it is to me the Fox News of right. um, sports where they are taking a hard take and it is to create discussion and the ratings are really good and I understand why you do it. You are appealing to the masses in its lowest form. I get it. But there's no repercussion for something like that. They don't. There's no punishment, it sounds like. I, I, in I, fact, I see Stephen A. Smith stands by comments. And I guess that the thing that I'm confused by as someone that's been in the media is I want Chip Kelly to comment because I want to hear him put him down. But I am also very happy that, A, no one asked him about it. Right. And, B, he didn't comment because it stops the story. Yes, it does. I, I just think you're someone that when someone crosses you in some way, you're done. I'm done. And now you're done. I'm done. I won't. I'm done with him. Yes, I am. I probably listen to him on SportsCenter when he has, like, some – NBA inside info to give, but I will not listen to him rant or talk about anything anymore because, yes, that crossed the line with me. Uh, what you're implying there, even though you're saying you're not implying that, yes, you were implying it, I'm sorry, yeah. uh, was wrong in, in all facets. Just because he got rid of LaShawn McCoy, the brilliant move. Sorry, got DeMarco Murray for less money in the prime of his career. Yeah. Uh, got rid of Deshaun Jackson. Okay, their passing offense seemed fine last year. Uh, I understand Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, there's a lot of people that say he's a pain in the ass altogether. So, uh, And then Jeremy Macklin, I mean, 
he ain't worth $11 million. So, of course, he ain't going to resign him. Yeah. $11 million a year from the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, they're, they're, I, nobody was going to pay him $11 million. I don't million know why he felt the need to say that. Yes. Um, all right. So, I, I was looking around because Steven Nelson's not here, and it hurts my heart because he wants to take it down low. You, give me some music. I, I, I'm not going to be able to do it like Steven. I just I was looking up news stories because I was curious. <laughs> um, hey. You want me to look up some news stories? No, I got some. I got some. I don't know if you've seen this, Mr. Sims. I can't do it. I, yeah, I, I just feel bad. I feel like I'm I'm wearing someone else's clothes. Thank. Oh, now I feel good. I don't know if you've seen this show on HBO called The Jinx. In fact, I know you have not seen the show. No. Story about Robert Durst, who was one. He was oh, accu- the Jinx. The Jinx. Yeah. Accused of murder in New York, in California, in Texas. It's incredible. You need to see it. It's a lot like Serial, but in my mind, it is the television HBO version. Why have you not watched this show? Why will you not watch this I, show? I see it on all the time. It just looks a little creepy and everything, and i just not in the mood when I come home from work. I want a happy story, and that doesn't look very happy. Do you not like murder stories? I don't Do you mind not murder like... stories. I'm not against that. Uh, he last, the last... Did he kill these people? That's... Just get to the point. So really, We don't the, know. Really, the show is it puts out the evidence that it's so blatantly obvious that he definitely did it. Right. And it just shows you the jurors and the way his lawyers in Texas were so unbelievable that they made him seem like the victim. It was incredible. Who did he have his lawyers? Oh, he paid he paid them a combined one point four million dollars, one point five million dollars. What did he do as for a living? He's the heir of the like the largest New York real like real estate like property owners, and he was like the son that like didn't. That they didn't love, but he still has all this cash, and he's been able to do whatever he wants. Wow! But he's quirky and he's weird. You gotta watch it. Wow! I was just curious why I might go there eventually. I was but... just curious why you wouldn't want to get into something like that as someone that loved Gone Girl and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. I do. I I'm not against movies or stories like that. I just haven't been in the mood for it. And he does look creepy. Turned so. on HBO last night. Guess what was on? Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. <laughs> it's been Great on. night. Uh, I went on CNN.com and I saw a story that apparently flying cars might be in the future in a few years. I said flying cars and you said we're all fucked. Why? Bill Gates said he's scared of that artificial <laughs> intelligence and where it's going. If Bill's scared, I'm scared. So you're afraid. I'm of- taking Bill's. You know, listen, uh, I'm taking Bill's. Uh, you know, he's the the intelligence expert. Okay? So you're afraid of what, like iRobot, like computers taking over our world? Yes. Like Terminator? Yes. How big of a fear oh. is this for you? How often do you think about it? Uh, not a lot, but, man, you watch movies like Oblivion with Tim- Tom Cruise <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> it's kind of always there. So is this something like in your head, like is that part of the reason why you don't like the Internet? You don't have a Facebook because you don't want the computers to take over? Uh, no, it's not the reason. <laughs> I don't like the Internet because it's a pain in the ass. It always freezes on me and never fucking searches the right word. Uh, well, yeah, because you're typing my... in boobs. Probably. Well, yeah, I don't even do- know that. All I need is a few websites. That's it. A football website, my email, and checkmate. Checkmate. Um, let me let me ask you. <laughs> what something just got edited? That's why we're all laughing. Um, Sims, let me ask you this question: If there was going to be not a zombie apocalypse, but a robot apocalypse, and I'll give you your house as a safe space, how will you defend yourself? What tools would you need? Oof, man. Robot apocalypse. Robot apocalypse. Well, I have a father-in-law that has a lot of guns. Really? Yeah, so hopefully, well, he'll be dead by that time comes around, and I'll just inherit all his guns. And, man, robots come to my house, they better have some armor. Yeah, so you're shooting robots. Okay, zombie. Is that going to work, though? Zombie apocalypse. They come up your back through the little river there in the creek. They come up the back. What's your big strategy for defending against zombies? Man, kids jump in the car. Because we're going. You're just uh, driving. I'm driving. I always wonder if and when the zombie apocalypse happens, do you think they're going to walk slow like in movies? Because if there's full speed zombies, I am dead. Yeah, we're done. I know. I still have dreams every now and then where I run away from stuff and I'm slow. You ever have those? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I always have a dream that I'm like I was running up my old house like a, like a street and I'm just running at like one step per hour. <laughs> I'm just like, ugh. 
What other dreams have you had recently? Any funny ones? Uh, no. I always have a reoccurring dream that I'm late for the game and I'm getting to the locker room and everybody's out on the field already and ready to go and I can't find my uniform or my shoulder pads or my helmet. That's a re- that's pretty reoccurring. Really? Three or four times a year. What do you think that means? I don't know. But I know I'm not the only football player that has the dream. My dad has it. Other guys, That same dream. They have that similar dream. Like, yeah, I'm late for the game and – yeah, Do you I wake re- up in like a cold sweat? A little bit. I usually don't get nervous in any dream, but I will wake up almost like, oh, God, okay, it was a dream. Oh, yeah, and I retired five years ago. <laughs> Do you, oh, wow. I would love to get in a dream expert to break that down. I wonder if it's my, you my first. You want to book one for next week's podcast? Yeah, my first thought is that it's like it would have been your opportunity to get back in the game, but you're blowing it. Uh, yeah, I don't ever have like that you one. you missed the game. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe that's, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't ever have that one. I never had any good ones dreams yeah. Uh, yeah the good dreams you wake up and you're just kind of like all right that was great uh i want to go to the beautiful the wonderful world of twitter yeah we just have uh, one question that i want to get to before chris completely loses interest in this episode of the podcast uh mark <laughs> bejent i hope i'm saying that right it's at, a man it's not a woman so don't at flirt. 007 sports he wants to know quote generally speaking who are the weirdest guys in the locker room position-wise? That's the question. I like that. My guess is going to be special teamers. They are certainly up there. Kirk, the kickers I was around are either crazy or weird. I mean, I was around. Who's crazy? What's a crazy kicker? You know, Grammatica. Yeah, what was Grammatica Martin, was, right? Martin was actually the most normal of the kickers I was ever around, actually, even though he acted like crazy when he made field goals oh, and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a lot of fun, really good guy. Um, you know, almost I'm, I don't know. I haven't been around a lot of soccer players, but he had a soccer mentality. Uh, and, yeah, he was funny, too, because he'd come out to start a practice, kick a few field goals, and then you'd sit there like an hour later, and there we are sweating and grueling it out. And he's playing like gin rumby with the punter, <laughs> like on the side of the field at a table, like with their pads off. And I'm like, man, what's it like to be a kicker? Yeah, kickers are always crazy. Um, you know, the late uh, the, the late Baronis, Rob Baronis yes. for the Tennessee Titans was one of my favorites. Yes. Uh, a fun crazy. Definitely. Uh, you'd love to have a beer with them, play cards, do stuff like that. Matt Prater in Denver, who is already crazy. He was suspended this year for, what, uh, substance abuse, I think, at one Something point. Something like that. But he liked to have fun as well. Um, <laughs> yes, they're, they're quirky fun. I would say the other guys in the locker room, offensive linemen, like I've always told you, they're like a herd of cows. Uh, that's why they usually need a tough, stern coach to put the really? put the hot poker in their ass. What or, do you mean? They're just kind of like, yeah, and they can hide in the corner and just graze on the grass and nobody tell them do anything all day long. They'll sit there and stay there. Really? Yeah, they need somebody on their butt, no doubt about that's it. That's hilarious. Where – Defensive tackles are like your bulls, your ox bulls. Yes, that are like you know funny and go- funny and happy go lucky. But man, you say the wrong thing and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, he might <laughs> kick your ass on the spot. So what's a linebacker like? Uh, linebackers, man. I was around a lot of cool linebackers. Uh, hold on, keep doing the animal stuff. All different, all different ways. I mean, uh, as far as linebackers, you know, I've told you about Derek Brooks. He was a very soft spoken, religious type linebacker. Yeah. Um, let me see. Tennessee Titans, I had Keith Bullock, who was, you know, New York gangster rapper, extremely smart and intelligent, but funny with street swag and, you know, wearing Tims in the weight room. Yeah. Uh, not afraid to say anything to any coach. Are linebackers and quarterbacks in a weird way similar? A little bit, yes. Uh, I do think there's a little bit of that generalship, the one that has to know everything that's going on out Who's there on the field. Who's more of a leader, a linebacker or a safety? A linebacker. Really? I would say, yeah, because linebackers more times than not are the alpha males in the locker room. That's awesome. Because they're not necessarily always the biggest, but they're like the strongest per pound for pound. They're ultra aggressive, and they're not scared of fighting the biggest guy in the locker room. Do tight ends typically hang out more with the offensive line or the receivers? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Uh, it depends, actually. What, they what kind of got to be the mayor. They do. Like, they have a, a little bit. And the tight end is one of those guys that can do that. Yeah, they can be with the, the, the receivers. They can be with the offensive line, and they can hang and be buddies with the quarterback. Uh, yeah, but more more times than not, yeah, I think I found them that hanging out with the offensive line than anything, yes. What, do running backs just hang out with each other? Yes, running backs do seem to hang out with each other. Running backs, receivers, but yeah, running backs is usually a pretty close-knit group uh, that they do. It's like, you know, uh, I always think of 
New England up there, Stephen Ridley, he used to like wear onesies. You know onesies? Like yes. that little children wear to bed? Yes. He would wear onesies to the facility and wear – he had lots of onesies. And all of a sudden, a few weeks later, all the running backs are wearing onesies up in New England because, hey, this is comfortable to sit in the meeting rooms and wear onesies. <laughs> uh, and also, that's just – that's running backs. And running backs are like a, a interesting mix of, um, you know, brute – Alpha male, yeah. but yet have like a neat intelligence uh, and artsy side to them too. I came across a lot of different characters at at uh, what was Michael back. Pittman like? Yeah, Pittman, you know, portrayed as this crazy weightlifter. Yeah, because he's like the big one muscles. Of the, was one of like the most soft spoken, nicest players I ever played with. Who is more of a hyena, a wide receiver or a cornerback? Ooh, a hyena. I just that's how I picture him, just like <laughs> loud and like. And barking and, like, in your face. Cor- Which position group? Uh, yeah, corners are usually very loud. Really? Yeah, corners are loud. Because yeah, corners- you've got to have swagger if you're you going to have. Some. You're going to get burned five times a game. Everybody's going to see it. Uh, but you still got to be able to get up in front of that freak receiver the next play and say, I'm going to shut you down. Yeah. Yeah, corners are, uh, hands down, usually the – they are usually the greatest pure – physical athlete on the team they might not be able to shoot a basketball yes. or swing a driver and hit a golf ball but as far as just speed strength explosion jumping ability they're always the top-notch guys on the team and then who is the best who is typically the best dressed group Ooh, that's another good one best dressed group i feel like wide receivers I was are always say, like I, holding it down i would say wide receivers because they're willing to push the limits too with the flashiness and go outside the box a little bit yes uh but yet you can still see like a guy like joey galloway who was very conservative and you know dressed just very traditional nice dresser whatever else i mean you could have a little of everything in the wide receiver room was there anyone that was famous that you were on a team with that was like the worst dresser ever oh like as an eagles fan Coy Detmer was always known as a guy that he would go on a road trip and only bring a toothbrush. <laughs> That's the only thing he would bring. I remember reading stories as a kid. Right. Now, you're putting me on the spot, but there are certainly some guys I came across of, across in my day. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody that jumps out to me right away. You know, like Mike Allstott, he's the kind of guy I don't – I never saw him in anything but jeans and a collared shirt, jeans and a you know golf shirt. That's what he wore. It didn't matter if we were going to like the – If he Allstott. was getting a Super Bowl ring or if he was going to the game, he was going to wear jeans and a golf shirt. That's do just way he did. Do you think we could get Allstott one day? I do think we could get Mike Allstott one day. That would be really big for me. Yeah, it'll be really annoying when Josh asked me to get him. But, yeah, I could probably get him. Well, I, I, I can I preview the stuff coming up? Because I – no, I don't want to do it. All right, well, we have two big guests, I guess, coming up that Josh is working on. Yeah. It's all on Josh and you. <laughs> I have gotten out scot-free from doing work. Please, you know, bring that music up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just sit here and, and I talk. It's great. Uh, Sims and Left Go podcast, it is always fun. What episode are we up to? Is this 17? Oh, on March 17th, St. Patty's Day? Wow. It's a sign. I planned that. I did plan that. Lucky Irish jackpot. Bam. I have no idea what that means. I see Lucky Charms. Yeah? Yeah. Just let you know. We'll have a cereal discussion. Okay. Next time. (laughs) Sims and Lefko podcast. Submit your questions at the Twitter. Sims at Sims and Lefko. Again, if you can, it would be great. iTunes. Review it. Give it as many stars as you like. Write Write a comment. It would be awesome. But for now, Sims and Lefko podcast. We'll see you in episode 18. Ooh, <laughs>